Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, we're live, guys. How are we feeling? Initial thoughts? That's Christmas over, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, we may be days away from a new year, but I hope next year's a lot better. It's got a lot more, <laughs> yeah. a lot more to come than what we've just seen. Um, oh, that that was tough sledding. I really thought so. Did you? Were you nervous in any way before the game? No, I thought we'd win that game. I really did. I don't apologise for it. We should be winning that game. Um, bottled it, really. Like there, At the end of the day, we had more than enough chances to see them away. Of course, West Ham played well, but there were a number of players who just weren't up to the mark today. Just, just you know, they let themselves down and, um, and then ultimately we came up short. But, you know, as Ash was kind of saying before, it's not like they weren't trying. They definitely were trying. It, it wasn't a lack of application but at times you've just got to, you've got to expect more from these guys they're going for a league and uh they they were nowhere near that level today um i think uh yeah you alluded to what i i thought about it and uh for me it was we had more sevens than eights out of ten they had more eights than sevens out of ten it was it wasn't it wasn't anything more different than that but I do accept Johnny's point here that actually a few players who you really do need to be able to count on in games like this to grab, you almost take the game by the scruff of the neck and kind of put it on. It, it felt like a few players who have that capability or capacity in them are actually went backwards a little bit today, if that makes sense. I don't know if that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, the room is busy, my it is god. Busy already. I, I think was, a lot thought... of people are looking for their therapy today, Matt. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a quiet room tonight, but we've got over 700 in the room already. Uh, everyone just wants that sort of catharsis, mm. or everyone wants to just get away from their family. <laughs> a little <laughs> bit of both, not mutually exclusive. Let's jump into it, shall we? Good evening, and I'd love there to be a little bit more enthusiasm and natural zeal in my voice, but I can't. We've all watched the same thing. Arsenal have succumbed at home 3-0. No, 2-0, I should say, 2-0. Um, we'll get on to the, pay, to the penalty save uh, at the end of this pod. But um, yeah, 2-0, and quite frankly, it was well-deserved. West Ham played well, and we just didn't really have it today. Um, Matt? Were you in a Brooklyn dive bar somewhere, just head in hands? What happened? I was in a Brooklyn bar and I was just, all I was saying is, we really need a goal now. We really need a goal now. You know when that clock is ticking, you go, we need a goal by 60. And then you go, we need a goal by 70. Then you go, I'll take the draw. We need a goal by 85. And then there's that moment. And I think um, I was watching it on TV and the camera panned to the people screaming out the stadium 
on like 84, 85 minutes, the rain pouring down, Saka mistouched it. And then that was the moment where my head went down and I was like, it's just not going to happen, is it? That that was it. That was the moment because I think even must have been being a player inside the ground, it just felt like everyone had given up, given up. Not 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 given up, like stop trying, but there was just that widespread acknowledgement that it wasn't going to be the night when we came back. At one point, you know it's desperate when you're like, I can feel another Reese Nelson moment is <laughs> coming on. And by the end, it's like we got another Reese Nelson moment and it wasn't very good. Uh, Ash, um, welcome to the pod because I've never been on with you before. And oh. uh, yeah, it's, it's oh. very nice. Feel, feels like it, it it's happened before because we, we feel familiar. Yeah. Anyway, Matt's um, saying that he was there believing throughout the night. In the end, clinging to hopes of a Reese Nelson Mark II. How did you experience it? Yeah, I ended up. Uh, I was supposed to meet Matt in the end, but I couldn't quite make it out to Brooklyn in time. But um, I was actually in a very similar spot. I thought until about eighty-two minutes, it's like we can still we can still get something out of this. Um, and it wasn't uh, the Reese Nelson shot for me. Kind of that was almost like job. It's it's over now. But I think the one before that, I think there were a couple of chances. Erdegaard had one. That's that fantastic save, actually. There was one. And then the really weird sort of left-footed thing that went across the face of the goal that Smith Rowe went to try and head. I thought those were two really good chances. And, and by the way, on our day, we've seen those just completely fly in, right? So uh, I think that was it for me. I think that was uh, when I saw the penalty decision. Well, absolutely. Sums up the night really well, doesn't it? But uh, hey. It certainly did. It seemed to tail off. It seemed to. It seemed to. By that point, add insult to injury. We knew that we weren't really playing well. And yeah, like you say, when when you you you, you symbol at least um, captain in spirit, Declan Rice is there falling over and giving away penalties in the book. You know, it's not your day. But let's listen. We're bubbling up with hottest of takes. So let's just jump into that. Hottest of takes. Hottest of takes. Three hottest of takes. The AOP hottest of takes. Make it spicy. Ash, it's over to you. Hottest of takes. Where are you going with it today? Sometimes we just want Nando's Perry Perry, and there's only ketchup left in the fridge. <laughs> That's all I've got for you, mate. Ketchup. Uh, something very mild, yeah, very mild. Yeah, it was. It, I mean, that's. I think that's kind of what it was, wasn't it? Really, it wasn't. It wasn't a bad performance. It wasn't. I wouldn't say mediocre. Almost sounds insulting, right? And that's not my intent here at all. It was just very mild. It was tepid. Um, and, uh, and 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 against a team that was just bubbling away. I thought Alvarez was fantastic. By the way. I think he did a great job on us. But we have better players than them. Like everything says that we have better players than them. We just weren't today. Uh, but fair play, you got to congratulate the uh, those happy hammers. Is that David Moyes' first win against Arsenal's a manager? Oh, really? Yeah, that's, wow, dear. That's what we need. Loads of um, loads of managers getting rid of their hoodoos against us just yeah. at the right time. No, I mean that's a shame. That, that's a that's a that's a bit of a double kick in the teeth. Um, yeah. Were you going any any further with that, Ash? Or were you? Um, um, you're, you're good to go. But um, I genuinely thought we were going to win this one comfortably. So, um, and by the way, even at half time, I thought that and. Um, Sort of until you're at about 65, 70 minutes. I still thought we'd we'd, we'd get something out of the game, but uh, wasn't to be. I think it's 
I don't know whether this is a is this a Mikel learning moment or is this a put it in a box and throw it away moment? I think that's the interesting question. That is an interesting question. One I'm sure we'll be ploughing into during this pod. Matt, where are you going with your hottest of takes? My hottest of takes is that throughout the season, we've made a lot of excuses for our front three. Um, and I think there's always been this sense that our front three are only ever going to get better. You know, the Gabby Jesus, Martinelli, Saka, we've always said it's our Liverpool, it's our version of Liverpool's Firmino, Salah and Mane. And every season they're going to get a year older, they're going to get a year better, they're going to get more goals, they're going to get more assists. But I think we're halfway through the season and the output across all three from a goal-scoring perspective is subpar. It's just subpar. You can't play the system that we play and be scoring so few goals. And I think none of them have scored more than five Premier League goals and we're going into the new year. And so if you take that and you 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 look at it across a whole season, you're looking at eight or nine apiece a season and that doesn't win you the Premier League. It just doesn't. And I think that's the biggest issue. It's that we keep on waiting. We keep making excuses. Oh, Gabby was missing. He'll link it all together. Saka's been an output machine, but he hasn't scored enough goals. Martinelli's been great in the Champions League. None of them have been good enough. None of them have hit the form of last season. None of them, and if anything, they feel like they're spluttering more right now rather than kicking into gear. And I think we were all hoping that it was all going to happen. They were doing all the right things. And I've seen a lot of people say, oh, all the fundamentals are right. It's just a matter of the goals. They're going to come. They're going to come. Well, I think there's major cause for concern now because just the output has been subpar and Arteta goes, oh, I'd rather have the goals spread spread around the team. Yeah, I'd rather have the goals spread around the team. 10 here, 8 there, 11 there, 12 there, not 3s, 2s, 4s. Eddie and Ketty has scored more than the rest of the front three. That's the way it is right now. And so until we fix that, um, we're not going anywhere. And that's not to say we haven't had great games, great performances. That's not to say I don't believe in this front three. I think... Where we are is we have to persevere with what we've got and hope that it clicks. But you don't want to look at the Premier League goal-scoring table and not see any single Arsenal offensive player. And I think that's an issue. I think that's an issue. And I think you look at it, people go, oh, 30 shots. Yeah, but how many were on target? How many were clear-cut chances? We're not creating enough. We're not creating enough chances. And... We'll sort of get into it, but it's becoming a feature of our play rather than a bug. It's like we just, this ticky-tacker stuff around the edge of the box. And I just feel like we got sussed. Uh, and obviously, they needed a bit of luck and they needed all of that. But yeah, we're not, we're, until we fix the front three and the service to them and the way we play, um, it's not going to happen. And th- just all season, we've been doing this thing where we just swing the ball in. And Saka's brilliant at swinging the ball in. You know, he's he's some of his crossing this season has been exceptional. But, I mean, it's Emery-esque. You know, remember the cutback? We're just sort of swinging it in and hoping. And we got Gabby Jesus in the middle. And Gabby Jesus is a f- wonderful football player, but he's not the right player for the swing it in and hope you get ahead to it. So, um, so yeah, we, we're going to need to figure out that front three because it's not working right now. Yeah. That was pretty hot, to be fair, and I'm moving in a pretty similar space on my one, and I would go as far as to say 
And I, I've been quite outspoken thinking that we are going to win the league. But when I watched that game today, I don't think we can win the league unless we go into the transfer market. There's just there just aren't enough options within this squad. There aren't. I don't I defy anyone to watch that game today and sit there feeling confident that it's just going to somewhat come good at some point. It's not. These are long, you know, long-held issues within the team, within the squad. Um, they are it, the way we play relies on certain players stepping up in key moments and being the difference. And you you perfectly illustrated it, Matt. There's a number of players who are just not up to it right now. Martinelli needs dropping. I mean, that was that was that was a bad game today. Straight up, not good enough. And when you start dropping those, let's face it, not good against Liverpool either. Sit down for a couple of weeks, and uh, and you start to realise the the lack of strength in the squad when you can't even sit a player in poor form because you look at it and you go, who's coming in for him? And and then once you start getting to a stage you can't sit a player out of form, then you must realise you've got to start shaking things up. I think that um, Saka has not found a way of dealing with this double team that keeps coming his way. And that's ultimately why he has been kept quiet this year. Um, and he's got to find a way. It's that simple. We we He has to be a central figure in the way that we play. That's why Arteta plays him all the time. That's why he can often come up with big goal contributions. Like Even if it's not going his way, he'll toss the ball into the box. You know, um, but, and I'll just sum this up, but, you know, my overall list of takes is it's very hard to not think that we need someone. But let's be honest, Matt, some of those crosses, because that's what's happened in the past. We've found ways out of jail. Gabby Jesus has missed two big chances there. One of them is, is unforgivable. That is an unforgivable miss from the header. You've got to score. And then I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, I know certain people are like, oh, I don't know. Ivan Tony scores that. He scores that goal all day long. And so I think that if anyone was thinking that we would keep our powder dry and try and, you know, scramble our way to the line, I think that ship has sailed. That's what this result has says for us. We need to be vicious and we need to be aggressive in the transfer market and on the pitch because right now we are just about, you know, making it work in terms of a title challenge. Um, but I think that we will come undone due to our lack of options. I think that's fair. When you looked at the bench today, mate, it was it was it was Carlin Carpesque that bench. Yeah. I mean it was. Four of those players, by the way, three of those players wouldn't even necessarily get into a League Cup side at Arsenal that were on our bench today. So it was totally fair. Here's a question for you. Did we miss Kai today? Definitely. Definitely. I, I think I he's a big player for us now. I think he is, and I think in, it, it, this could have been his kind of game as well. He, he finds a way of, particularly when they're in, in the deep press, because the timing of his runs are so good, he finds a way of being in the right place at the right time, at least generating chances. But the issue is, and we're going to get onto all of this, but we did have big chances. Yeah. And we're going to go on to big misses now. Now, I'm going to just regale a couple off the top of my head. We had Jesus missing a, a header that has to go in, as I said. There was another header just before that that he missed which, you know, he headed straight down at the keeper. Saka had a header in the first half. I'd like to see you doing better. And that chance when he went through, I know he's hit the post, but you, I think you need to score there, mate. Like, you, you know, you're through and you're arguably our best attacking player. You, you, you should be doing better. Um, yeah, those yeah. are just... 
he had another one in the first half where he's just kind of lobbed it into the keeper's hands where he just needed to put his foot straight through it as well. So we're not we're not talking about a situation where we can't even name an opportunity we had, but um, they did start to peter out towards the end of the game. What did you make, Matt? We'll go to you. Um, what did you make of some of the misses um, that we saw in the game? And do you think that that is indicative of a, a bigger problem with our personnel or just an off day for a few of our forwards? Well, you know, the game it reminded me of a lot was Southampton at home last season. And I think we ended up three all, um, but we were down and out and then we came back and then, but Gabby Jesus missed a couple of chances. And it's just in games like that, you just need the goal to bring you back in a two nil down, get the goal. The crowd gets a new lift. Everyone's at it. Um, but it was more just the way we played. We just kept on lobbing them in. I don't think they were like great chances, but everything just looked the same. I felt like we just played the same game all the, all the way through. And there was this Smith Road chance. I thought it was a chance. Other people I was watching with didn't think it was much of a chance. But the thing that struck me wasn't the miss or whether it was even a chance. It was just that someone was running from deep because everything else was ball into foot in a congested area with three players around him. And you look at their their that you know Mavropanos goal. The reason he scored it was because he ran the whole you know he ran eight yards to get on the ball, and that caused chaos. Whereas I feel like we played into their hands because we're we're very static. You know, it's all ball into hand, and then and then the one two. Whereas there was something about that Smith Road where he just burst from deep and just like there was no one following him because you know they couldn't track him that 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 distance. And so I think that that was it for me. I think I think we just heard that Gabby Jesus story so much. It's like he offers a lot, but he misses key chances. We needed someone to snaffle a couple. On another day, we do. You understand why we bought Kai, but you can't just say it's Kai's job to unlock deep blocks. It, I mean, like, that's just too much on one person. So, um, but it is very weird that we now play a, a very, our whole offensive game is crossing into the box but we've got a five foot nine or whatever striker. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, I... Ash, what, what what did you make of it? As we said, there was there was a fair few misses in there. A bigger problem or just a bad day at the office? No, no I do think there is something about the bigger problem here um, because the other thing that was very noticeable to me was, you know, we, we tend to do well when we use the full width of the pitch. And the way that West Ham were defending... They made us get very narrow as well, which drove us into that ticky-tack again. Actually, I don't know if you noticed at the beginning of the second half, actually, we stopped. They'd obviously been told. And actually, if you think about the beginning of the second half, we started quite well, actually. We were we were using the full width of the pitch on both sides. Uh, Martinelli then decided to come in a bit more, had a bit more impact at that point in the game. But um, I think they just did a number on us, if I'm honest, and we didn't react well enough to it. I mean, I've never um, seen no, West Ham no, defend no, so well in my life. But, have you, have you ever seen West Ham defend no, like that? But, but for me, this isn't about us just having a bad day at the office. Let's be realistic. Every Premier League manager is watching this. We now have to play every team again. And they've said, hang on, what about that? We could go do that. And that's going to happen to us now. And we're going to have to find a way. So it's not... We can't just keep saying bad day at the office. We have to find a way to play around this, through this, however the fuck we need to play it. But we need to find a way. That's a really good point, actually. And and that was one of the things that 
struck me as I was watching this. I was like, there will be other people watching this and saying, let's just try to replicate that because there was a clear game, game plan employed against us. And yes, when you look at the goals that they scored, you know, Mavropanos, you know, every opposition team aren't just thinking, oh, we'll just get our centre-half to score a top corner header. It's not as easy as that. But being able to keep it tight and then, you know, try and hit us on the break, which they did for the first goal, that is something that is, you know, repeatable. And that is something that looks like, oh, right, well, we know how to bunch them when they get in and around the area. And do Arsenal have a different way to play? Because if it's just triangles with, you know, Saka and and Erdegaard on the wing, and like you say, either tossing balls into a, a striker who's not going to be as big as any centre-half, um, you know, th- th- there, w- there wasn't enough dynamism. There wasn't enough movement from deep. Um, you know, I do think that it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because we just spoke his name saying that he's had a bad game and we are going to talk about him. But when Martinelli's not on, the team can start to seemingly lack a bit of pace, certainly in terms of penetration. Saka has been so mild in his temperament lately, like in terms of taking on his man. The amount of times he goes, he goes and just turns back and just passes it off. Unless he's being given that ball from deep to run onto, he never wants to beat his man, which is really, really, it, it it's just anger-inducing because we know the talent he's got and we know... Sometimes, if you get it out wide, beat your man and then put the ball in. Because it's only once you've got the defence turned that you might start seeing that panic. If you're constantly cutting back to see Erdegaard, who's then on the corner of the box, and doing what? Flicking the ball in the air? You know, trying to play some cute pass? I expect, you know, our big players to step up in key moments. And uh, quite frankly, too many of them were just missing today and ended up missing big chances that, if they had gone in, the whole game could have gone a different way. Yeah, and look, yesterday's game, the Everton City game, is a totally different kind of game. But by the way, that's what you want us to do, right? You go 1-0 down, you still aren't playing great. And guess what? Phil Foden decides to turn on the Phil Foden show, right? That's kind of what we need to happen in these scenarios. It doesn't have to be the same guy every week. It could be more than one of them. But they, they dug out of that. And they got away, got away with playing. You know, we've been up to Everton. We know they're really, really difficult to play against. And um, that's what we needed to do today. And we didn't do it. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a comment here as well talking about um, that, you know, we struggled against the deep block for two seasons and there's no in-game management from Arteta other than shouting at someone to play their way. Um, do you think that's a fair assessment in terms of Arteta's, you know, in-game ability to disrupt the flow of a game and, you know, uh, it, these kinds of games anyway, where it is clearly stifling us, does Arteta have the ability to change that course of the game? I think it's, because what it all reminds, this isn't a new thing, like we all talk about deep blocks and changing the game now, but the amount of times I remember back in the Invincibles era when we'd be one all, one nil down, not being able to get the breakthrough, the board goes up, on 68 minutes and there's Connor and Wiltall coming on and he literally just takes out a couple of players at the back because you've got all the ball you've got all the possession and he brings and he go, and we go 424 or 3 whatever it is but we just load we load everyone up and then you rely on the talent the talent of Carnu the talent of Wiltord to bring something new to try and do something different and at the moment 
the same thing happens. 68 minutes, the board goes up, except it's Reese Nelson and Eddie Nketiah. And if you want to compare Reese Nelson and Eddie Nketiah to Kanu and Wiltord, then you've completely lost your mind. And ultimately, the only way you can break down the deep block is just by bringing on more offensive players, going for it, slinging the ball in the box, but relying on a moment of magic from players like that. But Reese Nelson is 40 yards from goal on the left flank. That wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't on the left flank. The problem was in the box. I mean, we had must have had about 80 touches in the box. It's just that every time we got them, it was ricocheting off someone. You need a Kanu. You need something. You need someone who's just one chance, one hit, bang, goal. And I think the biggest thing you can do to solve a deep block is just have better players who can come on and load up the box. And at the moment, we don't have that in the team. We don't have the magic maker. We're sort of like the closest we've got to it is Trossard. Yeah. You know, when everyone's playing well, he comes on. He's dangerous in the box. He's alert. He's fresh with 20 minutes to go. But today he started the game at left eight. So, you know, there was no Trossard coming on for impact. And Emil Smith-Rowe has fallen so far that he's not a viable option as a box in-the-box game changer, although he does have the talent to do that. So I don't really... It's just about the squad. And I think maybe we've been a little bit bullish about our squad, feeling like it's really kicked on a gear. But I think you've got to remember that we've added nothing offensively to our squad. We, we've added Kai, yeah. but we lost Granite. Yeah. So it was a one-to-one swap. So in the last season, we've added, I mean, that was like a, a one-to-one replacement, really. We've added nothing offensively. And so you just look at it and you go, we just, we've just, and then you talk, hear, hear all the news in the transfer market. It's, well, priority is a defender, second priority is a midfielder. And you're like, I mean, the problem to me isn't keeping the goals out. The problem to me is scoring more goals. Mm. So, 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 Ash, to move it on, Matt was kind of uh, treading on its toes there anyway, but we've got a, a subject in here, definition of madness, because it did seem like we were just doing the same thing over and over again, but this can kind of bridge over to, um, you know, off-the-field matters as well in terms of whether or not our squad is built for the long haul and, and gives gives Arteta indeed enough options. Um, do you think overall we have a plan B? Uh, you know, do, do you ever see a plan B employed in games like this? And do you think that it's imperative that we, you know, bring new options in that by just being who they are, offer something new? <clears throat> so I don't think we have a plan B, or a clear-cut plan B right now. I think, um, you know, Arteta could easily outwit all of us probably quite quickly. But um, more to the point, you know, he, he's talked about how he plays 38 formations in a game or whatever. Totally get all of that. I, I think we all know what we're talking about here, which is we we need a different style of play. We need to to go do something different. And I don't think we have those players. Um, secondly, we have been remarkably unlucky with injury. And that does shift how you do your business, right? It's all well and good saying we need to go sign this thing here. In January, when you got the other guy coming back three months later that you just spunked 50, 60 million quid on, right? So um, that said, I think we will strengthen in January. I think he did a very good job last year with actually the business that we did. And it did have a positive impact. It didn't get us all the way there. 
Uh, I would like to see something similar. Three players. Now, we are uh, beholden to the market in January. It's as simple as that. You can only buy the players that are available to you. Um, I know we all want Ivan Tony in January, but it, it feels like Brentford are not willing to do any deals. I think the only thing that sh- changes there for us right now is that they might be in a relegation scrap. And do they want to cash in now? Because if they do end up going down or having to change managers, the value of the player could go down as well. So is it for them a case of maximising what they can get now? Um, My understanding is from a financial fair play perspective, we are clear from January, right? Because the FFP or whatever it's called, the Premier League responsible wankers rules or whatever it is, um, run January to December. So, Look, let, let's let's hope and see. I, I, we do need some cover for Declan Rice. Thomas Party goes to Afcon, right? We need some cover in defence. T- Tommy Ass is going to the Asia, you know, to the Asia Cup as well. Neither have got, neither have been part of the squad this season because of injury anyway. So we just have to rule those guys out. So look, I think we need three players. Does that mean we're going to get one massive marquee signing and two? veterans or three middle of the road i don't know um we'll, we're, we'll have to wait and see i don't think the striker things i think if we can get the player we want long term we will do that i don't think he's going to try and do anything short term or or different than that i think the other two are the priority for yeah it, it, it's certainly interesting um i do think that the tony um opportunity has a lot more chance of coming off than what some people seem to think, and I understand why. I understand why there's pessimism, what with the parameters around it. But I do think for those reasons you started to lay out, Ash, as well, Like I actually think that it would take a brave Brentford team to try and hunker down with Ivan Tony when he's been out for half a season in the hope that he def- definitely keeps them up. But if he plays poorly, they'll get a fraction of the money for him if they, you know. And well, it's it's- not, not only that, if they, if they do get relegated, everyone knows they've got to sell. At which yep. point, like you're in it's a buyer's market, isn't it? And that, and that's not good for us, by the way, because Chelsea yeah. will just go blow us out of the water. Yeah. I, 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 was, I was chatting to a Brentford fan and he actually said to me, 50 million and we'll let Ivan Tony go. And that he's he's got a bit of bit of intel inside the club and he said, 50 million and we'll let Ivan Tony go. Hundred percent. However, like Ash said, everyone needs a striker. And so if he's on the market and they want a bidding war, it's not going to be 50. It's going to be 80. Because, you know, have you seen Nicholas Jackson? I mean, have you seen that guy? He scored a lot of goals. But, I mean, put Ivan Tony in that team, and they're scoring double what, what Nicholas Jackson is scoring. And I think Chelsea would go all in for him. Not just for them, but just to screw us. Because they've got a track record in doing it. So the last thing, they don't... Have you ever seen Chelsea also- lose a bidding war? Have you ever seen it? Caicedo, 110 million? They do do have to make it work. Yeah, but Chelsea are in the last chance saloon, right? Because if they don't get it right now, then they're at plan F because Potts will be gone by the end of the year. Yeah. And they've got finance. They have financial issues. Not We might not, but they. we know the way that, you know, and that wonderful pod you did, Matt, with, um, I can't remember his name now, looking into some of the financial um, like the, the amortization, etc., and how they're making it work. 
they can't there's there's a limited amount of punts they can keep doing unless they start improving on the pitch and i don't think they're quite there i i think the opportunity will be there for tony look after people in the comments don't even care about tony they don't want him they think there are better options i don't think it's a complete consensus you know, target, but I just think it's the smartest one for us in terms of being able to use someone who is Prem ready. And yes, he's been out for a while, but you get this sometimes. Sometimes people are injured. Timber Timber has played 45 minutes more than Ivan Tony this year, and we're going to expect him within a couple of games. Come on then, mate, let's get straight up to speed. Do you know what I mean? Like, no one's going to be sitting there going, oh, yeah, you, you can have two months to get up to speed. No. No, no, oh, no, I will. no, I will, but yeah, no, <laughs> but I, I mean, yeah, you say that when we're in a title running and he's, you know, at a stinker, and it's Timber. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need more from you, mate. We need it now, but no. so I, I think, you is know, he our only option, by the way? I mean, we we feel like that that's the only striker available in the world, other than Victor Osman, which doesn't seem like is a possible deal, at least in January. Um, is there anyone else that you kind of, especially with that Premier League ready tag? But I think I think a few players are starting to come through this season. I'm not going to go and say let's go and sign Huang from Wolves, for example. But there are a fair few hands in the air at the moment. Like, would Ollie Watkins oh. be a disaster? I, I just think he, when people talk about having an expensive option... I think Ollie Watkins would make Ivan Tony look like, you know, uh, uh, you get, you're picking him up at the pound shop because Villa don't have to sell. Um, Ollie Watkins has been playing this year, been in red hot form. And when you think about a player who is kind of on that cusp of, you know, could he be world-class one day? Um, you know, he's showing all the flashes right now. He's showing that he's a top striker in the Prem. They would, he would be north of a hundred million without a question about it. So, that's why, and because we know Ollie, Ollie Watkins likes Arsenal. I'm pretty sure he's an Arsenal fan, has flirted yeah. with us. But ultimately, that really would be, unless Arteta sees him as the final option, Dominic Solanke is another name getting mentioned a lot as well. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that necessarily is the right player, but he's certainly playing well in form. If Solanke you know. does it for another year, suddenly we're like, what well, we should have signed him a year ago. It's one mm. of those ones, isn't it? Well, he's being heavily linked to Tottenham right now, so. Well, that's a reason not to get him. <laughs> uh, so let's move on. We've got Curse of Declan here, okay? I mean, there's not much that you could lay at the feet of Declan Rice in terms of a critique. The guy's come in and absolutely walked on water since he's been here. 105 million and it's a bargain, a consensus bargain. But one thing that he still has failed to do is get a victory over his ex-club. Um, so much so that the cynics would be there going, he's trying to give away penalties in the last minute to ensure it. Um, De- the curse of Declan, guys. Um, are we ever going to see Declan Rice get a win over his um, long-term club, West Ham? He wasn't his usual self today. No, yeah. not the same standards, no. I feel like he almost was trying too hard, uh, in a way. Just trying to like push it a little bit. Um didn't have a poor game. And I think Ash said at the beginning, it's like a lot of sixes and sevens. I think Ash said a lot of sevens. I'll say six. I'll go to sixes and sevens. Fine. But um, but yeah, it was it was just one of, one of those days for him. And I think it gives what it, I mean, we haven't even talked about the Declan Rice effect on West Ham. I think they all obviously love him. But I mean, where did they get the energy from? Because there was they they were driven by something deeper than I've ever, I've never seen West Ham play like that. 
I mean, I literally spent the whole game talking to the people around me going, they're going to tire. They're going to tire. No one can defend like this just over and over and over again. And then they didn't tire. And, 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 and not just that, it was... They, they were tripling up on Saka, but then they were leaving no space anywhere else. It was like they had 12 men on the pitch. I, Matt, I think the thing that impressed me more was that when you were talking about people tiring, I think it's easy to assume you mean the physical drop-off, which happens in a game. But their mental drop-off, I thought was impressive, actually. Like, that was very technical. A lot of what I had to do without committing fouls, giving away penalties, because that's the other thing, by the way, that we do, we have got a lot of penalties this season. We have scored a lot from set pieces that we can actually, you know, one of the advantages of playing a lot of this kind of way is we will end up in those situations and take advantage. That's where, in fact, that's actually been a bit of the story of our season so far. But I think the fact that they didn't concede all of those kind of different things in those areas and put themselves in any more danger was really impressive. Um, there's a player on their side. The curse of Declan's easy for me. Just put it to bed. 11th of February. We go to the London Stadium. Turn them over. That's it. Are yep. we up for that? Very much up for that. And and to be fair, I, I do think that there's always a chance that it can start to, you know, these kinds of things can start to develop with players where they're like, just got... A weird hoodoo over a team. I mean, David ask David Moyes, who couldn't beat us throughout his career, apparently. But in general, Declan, as you said, Matt, didn't have his best game. But for me, his bad games are a seven. That's what he kind of showed up as. I thought he was probably our best player today. Um, but, you know, obviously he gave away a penalty at the end. So maybe not a seven. Probably lost the point for that. But... The reality is, is it, I, I still feel like even in his bad games, he has a level of consistency to yeah. what he does, which is he doesn't he doesn't go and do in a buoy, does he? No, no, it's not. There's no meltdowns there, and ultimately, that is one of the things that has given me more confidence because our you know our, our drop offs have been much narrower because he is so consistent and he's uh, the most important player these days. But there were you know. Um, there, there were there were other players. Let's just say, let's 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 bundle this curse of Declan into this subject. Let's just say, for whatever reason, Declan Rice is playing against his old team and just doesn't quite completely feel like it. You look around the team and you're saying, okay, Declan's not dragging us by the scruff of the neck today. Who else is doing it? And I did find that there was a lack of you know people stepping up in his stead. Yeah, and and galvanising the team and dragging them forward. I thought there were a few people conspicuous by their absence today when it comes to, um, you know, being able to be a rally, you know, give out that rallying call. It's not like, again, it's not like people didn't try, but the way that we've seen Declan Rice be able to literally pull us forward this season, it seemed like if it wasn't him, because whatever reason, you know, we were were never going to get over the line today. Um, yeah. do, you, do you think the crowd had much to play with it? I, I, on the US commentary here, they mentioned that Mikel was having a bit of a to-do with some of the fans behind him when their, their big, uh, oh, fuck, went up when Zinchenko misplaced the pass or something. Um, there's no question that the atmosphere in the ground was flat today. You could feel it... Um, in commentary here as well, they were talking about the fact it was flat, but you didn't really need anyone to point it out because you could hear it. But I do think that 
it, it, it is a um, you know reciprocal relationship ship in that in that respect. Yes, the players need the crowd to be G and R. The players have got to give the crowd something to you know go at, and this is what this is another reason why if you keep just doing the same thing, it's not just um, you know a negative in terms of not necessarily being able to pick the lock. But also, the crowd starts to get frustrated when it's like, you're just doing the same thing over and over again, you know what I mean? And and when the crowd get frustrated, there are those audible groans and whatever else, and it does seep onto the pitch. And one thing that we clearly have moved light years ahead of in the last couple of years is how we've made this, you know, this ground of ours and to be an absolute castle uh, that you just cannot you know just walk in and expect to have your way and the and the crowd have been a massive part of that but today they just didn't seem like they were in synergy with the team and um west ham caught us napping over uh, ultimately what did you uh what did you think of did you think it was a goal um where i would go at it like this okay i would not expect that to be reversed because it was not conclusive. I yeah. do actually think the ball went out, but I don't I can't complain because if that was if that was us, you would say there is no way you can know for sure it's gone out. And I agree. I agree. But ultimately when you kind of just take a mathematical approach to it and how motion works, you look at where the ball was and then they move it on a frame, suddenly Bowen's leg is is blocking where you would see it, and you think the ball was on the tip of the line a minute ago, and now it's moved. So I'm I'm saying that it's gone over, but the reality is, unless you can see that it's gone over, they can't reverse an on-field decision. And so my 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 um perspective is, I do think it went over, but I've got no complaints. I agree with that. I think the Newcastle one for me was clearly over. Yeah, and I, I'm fed up with the comparisons that we're making between the two. That, for me, they were nowhere near in the same category. The Newcastle one was clearly over. I could see it. Yeah, yeah. you saw you saw the strip of green between the yeah. ball yeah. and everyone this knew it. Was, it. It could have been, it couldn't have been. And you cannot turn that over. You absolutely no. cannot. If that had been the other way around, then I'd expect the home fans to write. I really would if it had been turned over that way. I mean, they wouldn't know, obviously, because... No one in the ground is allowed. Isn't it incredible though that we don't have balls with chips in them, lines that can detect it? Well, we do for the goal line. We do for goal line. So why don't we have it for the bylines? I could get really geeky about this. I think that might be another (laughs) podcast. Yeah. Um, Look, the, the the one thing I would say is, broadly speaking, I don't think we try to do it. I know, I know, Pete can sometimes, but. We're not out here just trying to clamour about, you know, refereeing decisions. No one on this pod today, I I believe, is suggesting that, you know, that was the only reason we lost today. Um, West Ham had other chances. They obviously missed the penalty. um, And ultimately, we were missing big chances of our own volition. So we can't, we're not sitting here complaining. But yeah, we've had a fair few of these decisions go against us this season. That. That just is, you know, that's just a matter of fact. Um, but... I thought there were a couple of moments. I thought there were, there were, I mean, I thought there was one where Trossard was taken out on the edge of the box. It was yeah. a clear foul. I mean, he's lying there injured and the player didn't get the ball. And it's yeah. like, it's pretty clear that he wasn't, that he was hit. 
Um, that was a clear free kick to me right on the edge of the box. There were a couple of moments like that where I thought the ref could have been, could have done better. But I also think it was a penalty against Liverpool when Erdegaard went down and touched it. So I think it, the, the, the conversation is more about the standard of refereeing versus Arsenal being hard done by. Yeah, rather than us being targeted all the time. Well, listen, guys, let's start to... You know, it's been tough sledding for some of the pod, obviously, with the subject matter. But let's look for a ray of light, OK? There he is, David Rayer at the end. We we said, and we've sp- spoken about this a few times, we kind of wanted David Rayer to have a significant moment. You know, a save that, you know, you or I couldn't make. Something, something significant <laughs> to feel that, you know, the, the worm had started to turn with him. Now, listen... He can't guarantee, or it's not his job, if you like, to score goals at the other end. So it's not his fault that we've ultimately not been able to get something out of the game. But he did save a penalty. Um, Ash, what do you reckon this might do for Raya? Because at the end of the day, one thing we've been very short of over the years are keepers that save penalties. And uh, Raya stepped up today and kept one out. Do you think this might propel him forward? No, I think, you know... Without getting into the whole debate around the two keepers, I think this only can big saves and big moments for keepers only help build confidence. And I think that's a good thing. And I think the fact that it happened in front of a home crowd in front of the North Bank is probably good for him too. Don't know how many people were left in the North Bank by that point. To be fair, actually, most people in the North Bank are usually there, as you know. But um, look, it's fine. Uh, I was being pithy before as he cemented himself as Arsenal's number one. Now I think he did that the day he signed, <laughs> but. Um, no, good for him. Look, small positive at the end of the at the end of the thing. Uh, the penalty saving keepers. I, I do we have that bad a record? I can think of a few that we've had. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think Ramsdale ever saved a pen, did he? No. And if you think back to the days of Petr Cech when he came in, never I saved. Don't, 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 don't make don't don't trigger me by saying think back to the days of Petr Cech. <laughs> what are you doing? I forgot he existed. I was thinking Dave C. Yeah, stick to ice hockey. Damon, John Lukic. And Len- Leno would never save any. Martinez was the only one where I felt confident that we had a keeper who, who might, you know, claw out a penalty. That was the yeah, last yeah. time I think we've seen it, really. Yeah, so yeah, games for us anyway. So. Exactly, exactly. But, uh, you know, it goes to show that was a long time ago. I think Ramsdale may have, if he has saved, if he if he has saved one, it would be one. I can't remember a a, a glut of them. Um, but in general, the fact is, is he did manage to save a penalty. Matt, what did you reckon about um, that? I know you didn't watch it because you had gone by that point, but you still understand what happened yeah. and and what that might mean. What do you make of that penalty save? Well, I did say about two thirds of the way through the game, has David Raya made a save for Arsenal yet? Like not not like critiquing him because today there was no penalty to be there's no goals to be saved. You know, he wasn't at fault for the first goal, it was a complete just one of those things. The second goal, unsavable, like in off the post, brilliant header, just one of those things. In fact, like in a championship winning team, like how many times like you know when like John I think Peter Cech speak now we're talking about Peter Cech. I think he came to Arsenal and I think John Terry was annoyed that Petr Cech had come to Arsenal and said Petr Cech would win us 10 points a season. And throughout the history of championship winning teams, people have said, goal, this goalkeeper saved us 8 points, 10 points, 12 points. 
maybe it's the evolution of football. They go, well, they created 12 points. But like, I don't think it is. I think you need your goalkeeper to save you 10 points. And I can think of Aaron Ramsdale last season saving us six or seven points through brilliant saves. Well, we're halfway through the season and I don't think our goalkeeper has saved us a single point between Ramsdale and Raya. Not one point. There's not been one moment when I think about it. And that's partly been due to the, the, the pattern of games and the domination that we've had even in the games we've lost. But we haven't had a goalkeeper save us a single point. Like it's not, it's, I, I, I stand by that. And so in the second half of the season, I'm looking for our goalkeeper to start saving us some points. Like I want to be, have one of these moments, whether it be against Villa or whether it be against Liverpool, I want that most Salah chance to be palmed away. I want like it's, 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 we're just getting to that point. And this isn't a criticism of David Ray. It's just sort of a criticism of our situation that we're in. Hopefully this can provide him with, some inspiration to go and do that. He's facing very little. You know, you know the that, ultimate the ultimate goalkeeper for us right now would be David Seaman. That's a guy who could stay for 89 minutes, not have anything to do, and then just be in the right place and make the crucial save and then walk off the pitch. But um, but yeah, it's it, this isn't a criticism of David Rare. Hopefully, this gives him the confidence to believe that those impossible saves become become possible. But my God, we need a goalkeeper to start saving us, like making those impossible possible. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point. And obviously, I, I think you said it anyway, but the goals today could not be laid at the feet of Raya. The, certainly the Mavropanos one, you could have a couple of keepers in it still going in. But um, in general, whether or not he has been a difference maker, and I think... David Raya ultimately has almost sold himself as being a fu- the most functional keeper that we have. He's good with his feet, largely. You know, he has an odd clanger in him, but he, he's he's more consistent than what Ramsdale is. Um, he will command his box better. But in terms of spectacular, in terms of the 10 out of 10 games, we, we've far from seen it. Noth- nothing near to that. And we have seen that with uh, Ramsdale. Well, but- is, it, is it fair to say that? Has Raya been needed in any of those? No. Well, the, the, well, the one thing I'd say, to give him credit... Yeah. He's not found himself needing to be in that position. To give him credit, the amount of times... I mean, what's the most applicable skill an Arsenal goalkeeper needs? It's to sweep up. Like yeah. it's, it's We've got total domination of every football match. And then suddenly there's a ball on the counter. And the thing that we need is the anticipation to be 30 yards out of his goal to sweep it up. And he's doing that really, really well. Like yeah. I'll, I'll give him that credit because that's basically the, the game pattern. The games we've lost, Aston Villa, Newcastle, West Ham, fuck that. Uh, you know, it was a lot of the time it was him coming out and then laying it off, you know. And that's that's not everyone's game, but... Maybe that's he does it well. But I think the issue is it's the same people that kind of watch football and, you know, we're all guilty. Football obviously elicits emotions out of us and those people that want to see that big challenge going, yeah, you know, blood and thunder and they all get going. It's the same thing from a keeper. You want to see big saves and stuff. And really, if you don't need to make saves, then surely that's, you know, you, you don't need to be, playing like your dad's in the crowd, diving around, you know, plucking things out. If you can stop the chances ever emerging, then that is, you know, ultimately even more effective. 
And, uh, therein, and therein is a really important point because everyone got hung up on Ramsdale versus Raya. Raya saved more shots. Well, he was playing in front of a completely different defence to the Arsenal mm. defence, actually. He was playing for a team that finished, you know, somewhere between 5th and 10th, not in the first two. So is he going to have more saves to make by the virtue of where he's at? Yeah, completely and utterly he is. Um, so I think we can get caught up in all these little pieces and bits here. I think Matt's bang on. He's doing the job he's been asked to do here for this team. And he's doing it well. And obviously when the saves do have to be made, we expect him to make. Yeah. The one thing that I will say about him is you never feel worried when he's got the ball at his feet. And and he has the ball at his feet a fair amount. And when do you remember that Peter Check in the first game of the season where he managed to back pass it? Like it's just like ten minutes in, we started playing out from the back under Unai Emery, literally just nearly not one in off the far post himself. That's what we were dealing with, and that's what some that's what Matt Turner, Matt Turner is that goalkeeper. Matt Turner can't trap a ball. I mean, we've seen it; he can't even get in the Forest team. But um, yeah, you know, I think he's I think he's the right goalkeeper for us right now but my god i'd love i'd love to see a great save love it <laughs> yeah we are our kingdom for a great save right guys um i think we've done a noble effort there 53 minutes um after what was quite a frustrating game and frustrating result so um i think we can start to wrap it up there as we say thank you guys for everyone who is who has tuned into it uh to the pod today Thank you very much. And if you haven't already, head over to patreon.com forward slash the Arsenal Opinion and become one of our patrons. We really can't do it without our patrons. They are the lifeblood of the AOP. Massive thank you to Ash for jumping on the pod. You enjoyed, well, as much as you can, Ash. As much as I can. Yeah, just remains to say happy 2024 to everybody. Uh, Let's bring it home. 20th anniversary. <laughs> 20th anniversary, my God. I'm, I'm pinning so much on this. Oh, really yeah. It really does feel like something special could happen. Matt, cheers for jumping on the pod. Uh, any any final um, uh, messages for the for the the audience ahead of the new um, the new year, the turn of the new year? I should say. I think um, I'm I'm always quite optimistic uh, to a fault, and I think last season we saw we led from the front all the way and then the pressure sort of buckled and ultimately we, we 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 crumbled in april it was a miserable miserable month this is shaping up to be quite a different season i think the fortunate thing is that this defeat as painful as it is sort of a weird one i don't think it really matters that much to be honest i think what you're seeing is it's going to be a bit more level pegging I'm a little bit anxious because if Man City win their game in hand, they're level on points with us, and they've feels like they've only got gears to go up, and it feels like that's there was an opportunity to put some distance between us and them that we haven't taken. But you know, I I always think that a, a, the way you win a league championship is by being in the mix in March, and then going and putting a run together. Yeah. And and I don't believe it's any different now. And so if we're within two, five points of the league in March, that's good enough for me. That's the way you win league championships. And then someone is going to put 10 wins in a row and they're going to win the league. And that's the way it's typically always been. We're going to need to do that. But it's certainly not panic stations. It's certainly not all over. It's certainly not, there's so many problems here. 
I think it's going to be a there's going to be us involved. There's going to be Liverpool involved. There's going to be Manchester City involved. But my God, if West Ham can come to us and play like that, they can come to our opposing teams that we're fighting for and play like that. And they can get something in those games as well. Every game in the Premier League is hard. So I'm going to stay optimistic. I think we've had a great year. We've been top at Christmas two years running. It's all about what we do in April and May. That's what it's all about. And so I think it's staying contention. We've got some decent players. Keep the mains ones fit. Gabriel, Saliba, Declan Rice, Bukayo Saka, Gabby Jesus, Martinelli. I know everyone's down on him now, but he'll be back on form. And I really think we've got a really, really great chance of, of doing something next season. But we're going to need to figure some stuff out. But we can do that. Yeah, I I, I like that. And just to echo that before we uh, do wrap it up, I think the way I look at this result is in terms of the league title, you are always going to get erroneous results throughout throughout the you, you, you have to. Like there is there, you know, un, un, there's only one team that have gone the whole season unbeaten, and we know who it is. But in general, you're gonna get a few results for in the season where you just go, you know what, there's no rhyme or reason why we've lost that. Like, you know, in terms of if it was played on paper, we would have won. But this is one of those games. But you can only have so many. There are only so many games you can have uh, and chalk up to being an erroneous, oh, well, that one didn't go for us. The fact is, is we've had two games, one away at Anfield and one at home. I know which one I was pleased to draw and not lose. You know, if that had flipped the results, I'd have had a completely different mentality and and, and emotion. Um, I'm just putting it down to one of those days, it's bad. But, you know, Matt, I, 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 the one thing I would disagree with is, and, and I picked Arsenal to win the league, I'm sticking to it, but I don't think it is what we do in March. I think it's going to be what we do in January. I do not Ooh. see that this squad has enough to get over the line. I don't. I don't. Part of me feeling confident of us getting over the line was I feel like what Arteta has shown, what the club has shown, is when they think they've got an opportunity, they usually pounce. They usually pull the trigger. And I think they will definitely need to get some business done in January if we are going to make our squad worthy of getting over the line for the big one. So there we go. There we, there have we it, go. Guys. I feel a bit better now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we wanted to. That's what we're going to do. Add a bit of catharsis to it. So, guys, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Ciao for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.